listening to KSQD Santa Cruz at 90.7 FM. I'm your host, Melina. And I'm Jacob. And we're part of Your Future is Our Business, which is a Santa Cruz County nonprofit that helps students ages 10 to 18 explore careers by connecting them to adults through programs such as college and career expos, career panels, and other work-based learning activities. You're listening to our show, What to Be, where we interview and highlight the career journeys of inspirational people in Santa Cruz County. If you've ever thought, hmm, how did they get that job? Or what is that job really like? Then keep on listening. We'd just like to remind listeners that the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Natural Bridges Media or Your Future Is Our Business. Please note that the information provided during this program does not reflect this career in its entirety. Today we have a special guest here, Murray Sheckman, my father. Thanks for being here today, Dad. My pleasure, Jacob. What a treat. Hi, Melina. Hi. Welcome. Murray, oh, that's going to be weird to say today. <laughs> Murray is a lecturer at San Jose State University in counselor education and a trainer of new administrators for the Santa Cruz County of Office of Education. That's correct. All right. Well, can you tell us a little bit about your career and your career journey and how you ended up where you are today? Well, it's my pleasure. It's truly a treat to be here. As you two know, I serve on the board of For Your Future is Our Business, so I'm a, a proud board member. Um, I Presently, I teach at San Jose State. I am a full-time lecturer in the counseling ed department. I also worked in the ed leadership department, teaching future administrators, and that department seemed to go away, and so now I'm full-time in counseling. How that happened, though, and I do want to talk more about my earlier part of my career, is I was a teacher, a counselor, and then a school administrator in the world of K-12 in four different communities. And I retired from that world in 2015. Before that, I had been teaching part-time at San Jose. And uh, after retiring, I was invited to pick up more sections, and I'm now full-time. And as a lecturer, I participate in many of the activities, but I'm not a tenured track staff member, so there's pressure that they feel that I don't feel. But knowing how your future is our business works, I'd really like to focus on the career of teaching and being in the world of K-12. I hope that's okay with the two of you. Yeah, yeah okay. absolutely. How, well, tell us about then how you found yourself in the world of teaching. What was well, it like getting in there? It was a long time ago. I was a student at San Jose State, and then I transferred over and graduated from UCSC, where I got my teaching credential and my bachelor's in sociology. There were no jobs. There were no jobs back then in 1975. Hmm. I was actually forewarned by my college advisor, um, why don't you consider something else? There's really no jobs. Why was there no jobs? There were the career field or the there were no in jobs in teaching in general in that in that um, at that point in time and it's a surprise to you because there's a huge shortage yeah. now but the sad thing to reflect back on is back then a teacher could buy a home you can't do that now and now you have to have two teachers to be able to to buy a home especially in Santa Cruz County but I went off to college thinking I was going to major in journalism possibly become a lawyer or become a teacher. And then my sophomore year, while I was at San Jose State, I got a job in special ed on the east side of San Jose in O.S. Hubbard Elementary, and I was so inspired. I worked with special needs kids who had physical issues. They, they, they were developing their gross motor skills, we'll say. And I would pull them out of their class. Most of them were very hyper. And so the teachers loved me because every week about five of their kids who were climbing the walls would go out and we'd do alternative kinds of physical activities. And I just loved it. The kids enjoyed it. I thought it helped them academically, even though I wasn't working with their academics. 
and I made the decision that journalism was not going to be in my future, uh, and law also not in my future. And so I transferred to UCSC, went into the teaching credential program, did my student teaching at Aptos High, mm-hmm. worked for a fantastic teacher by the name of Bob Heston, and he always brought the real world into his classes. And so that experience was just a joy. I, there were no jobs, so I started at Watsonville High after that as a long-term sub. And the teacher I subbed for had some surgery and wasn't able to come back. So he recovered, but I got lucky. I had a job in my first year out of college as a math teacher at Watsonville High. Let's just say I didn't end up as a math teacher at, after that year uh, concluded. What happened? Uh, well, I love math, but let's just say I wasn't a math teacher. Yeah. I majored in uh, sociology, I'm bilingual, Spanish-English, ended up teaching. So Watsonville and I parted. I went to a private high school in Santa Cruz that is no longer in existence, Morello Prep, which is uh, was on Lighthouse Point, and I taught social, uh, social studies classes, a little math, and a few other things in a private school that have you teach a lot. And I loved it. I loved teaching. I enjoyed the kids. I enjoyed the community. But I knew, and this is an important message from me anyway, that public schools is where I wanted to be. Public schools is the place where all people are welcome. And I wanted to be part of that. And I got really lucky and got a job in 1978 toward the end at North Monterey County High School, which was a brand new school. It just finished, opened up in Castroville. And I worked for the most brilliant principal who was my mentor. His name was Walt Holmes. And he took me under his wing. And I was in the counseling education program where I teach now. And he convinced me that leadership was in my future. And and a real important message for people looking for jobs is to find those people. Find the people out there who will be happy to mentor you. Uh, YFIOB is a good example of those people. We bring in, you bring in, many giving, generous people who represent their careers to kids. Mm-hmm. And those people, there is several examples, but having mentors, building a, excuse me, a network is extremely important no matter what profession you're looking to get into. But in teaching, it's easy to do that. Teachers are collaborators. After North Monterey County, I got my first administrative position. I was at EA Hall Middle School in Watsonville as an assistant principal. I did only discipline the first year. Thought it would be kind of a problem, but I loved it. And what do you mean by only discipline? I handled the referrals that came into the office. I handled the kids who were in fights. I handled... And at first I was nervous about it, but I realized when you bring in parents, you're helping a family. Mm -hmm. And it was a real strong philosophy of mine and that principle, and I learned a lot. And doing the discipline was fine. After that, I went to Watson High as an assistant. Then I got my first principalship, but I had to leave town. Sometimes you can't be a prophet in your own backyard. So I was a principal in San Mateo at a middle school, Bayside Middle School, which had 36 different languages. Wow. After that, I I went back to EA Hall, and then I had the privilege of opening a new high school in Salinas, Everett Mm -hmm. Alvarez High School. I was hired a year Before the school opened, I got to work with kids who were going to go to the school, their parents, a lot of teachers lined up wanting to work at the school, and it was a lot of fun. And it turned out to be a wonderful school with some of the best teachers I ever worked with. But 
if you're a parent, you have to take into account these jobs and you have to recognize what's more important. Now, if you're a young person about to anticipate your career, you might not be worrying about being a parent yet. But I had three kids when I was at Everett Alvarez High, and one of them was really young. And I would always serve him hot chocolate every <laughs> morning. And one time I told that he was about seven years old. I said, well, sorry, Jacob, I got to have a meeting tonight. And he was sad. And he Aww. cried and said, I'm going to call that Dr. Lisondo and tell him not to have meetings with you. And uh, the point there is family is much more important. Yeah. And I did look for another job at that point and took on the alternative programs in Salinas. Then I came back to Watsonville as the principal. And then I was the assistant superintendent in charge of secondary and retired from that world in the year 2015. And so that's my career. The things that really excited me and that I plant seeds are people. I realized that I wanted to be in a place where there were people. I wasn't going to ever work in a factory. Mm. I also wasn't going to just work in an office. And even though principals work in offices, I had the privilege and honor of being out of my office at least two hours a day. My history of ADHD really helped me as a principal because I would visit every classroom. But it was really the decision between law, journalism, and teaching was the fact that people teaching is a hundred percent collaborative industry. And if you're listening and you're thinking about being a teacher, let me talk you into it. There's a shortage of teachers. Mm -hmm. If you're bilingual, you will get a job because the need is so great because of the population in our state. And it's a, it's a wonderful field. It's extremely fulfilling for me. Teaching now is one of the greatest joys of my life. Nine out of 10 days are excellent. And so if you're wondering about it, give it some thought. Visit a school, hang out, shadow a teacher, do the things that you can do to help you familiarize yourself with a career. Just a quick reminder for those of you who are just tuning in, you're listening to What to Be at KSQD 90.7 FM Santa Cruz. I'm Jacob, and I'm joined by Melina. We're speaking with Murray Sheckman and learning about his career journey in the K-12 education. So before the break, you mentioned a whole bunch of different careers in the field of education, and I want to focus on what is it like being a teacher? Like, What is your day-to-day -day like, and are there any kind of decisions that would, would be important to make if you want to be a K-12 teacher versus being a lecturer at a university? Good question. Thank you. Being a teacher is extremely hard work. You want to get into something that's easy. You don't want to be a teacher. Teaching is an extremely difficult job every day to do it right anyway. The difference in elementary, let me first focus on elementary, middle, and high school versus mm -hmm. college. Elementary teachers, and I've never taught at an elementary school, but I worked as an aide, as I shared earlier. I also worked as a summer school principal a lot, and we always had elementary school, uh, elementary teaching, little kids. And I remember in Castroville, there was a teacher, and I hope she's listening. Her name is Delinda Blanco, and the kids were never in school. They had yet to attend school. Now they're showing up to summer school. It's like pre-K, which does exist in schools now. They're all crying. So I visit the class. I'm there two minutes, and I leave because that's crying is kind of hard for me. 
I come back literally the next day, and that teacher and others like her, the kids are calm, they're excited about learning, they're in groups, and it's amazing. So one big difference is some of the physical needs of little kids. Another difference, a huge difference for elementary teachers, they look at the whole kid. They have the whole child in front of them and are working on content for that whole child, math, science. And in many ways, in some elementary schools, they teach PE too. Middle school, um, fortunately, about in the mid-80s or early 80s, there was some good research that middle schools are not junior high schools, are not little high schools. The whole child there also needs to be looked at. And their developmental needs are very different than elementary and very different than high school kids. They're certainly not as mature. They're very fun. They love tactile, hands-on kinds of experiences. And teachers need to understand those differences to make their choices. Many times, especially many years ago when there were fewer teaching jobs, you didn't have a choice. You, you got offered a job and you said, yes, that's where I want to work. Nowadays, teachers can make choices because there's a, a, a market and there's a huge need, especially in science, math, special ed, and bilingual. And in our state, that's Spanish English. So middle school is a different, you know, kind of hyper. I used to have this uh, fun rule that we would have to tell the kids at middle school the rules every 72 hours. Well, I didn't know that. What? what you can't skateboard in the hallway? <laughs> so um, a lot of fun stuff at a middle school. It's very easy to recognize and reward kids. And I know good middle schools do that on a regular basis. Moving on to high school, very complex. High school is the last place in the world of public education before the kid moes on to the real world. Certainly colleges are public ed, but it's not mandatory. You're required to go to school. And actually, you're required up to age 18, not just 16. But high schools are the last place before a kid is ready, hopefully, for the real world. And that includes mm -hmm. college and work. And so it's one layer after another. AP, advanced placement classes, remedial classes, everything. You know, athletics alone, generally in a high school, requires a full-time employee called an athletic director which is great because athletics brings people together and is a Definitely. wonderful motivator. And we could talk about lacrosse, but maybe we'll do that later. It's a yeah, wonderful you know sport. I'm going to talk about that tournament you missed. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't care that I was only 16. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, going back to like the differences between elementary school, middle school, and high school, and higher education okay. teaching. Okay, let me yes. finish a little bit um, in, in, with middle and high school. If you're a high school educator, you're going to need to keep available at night. There are, kids play ball at night, and teachers are asked to provide help and supervision. It might only be five nights a, a year. Middle school generally isn't like that, and elementary even less. Busy, hard days, but high school, you got to think of yourself as being part of a community of learners that includes things beyond a classroom. Clubs and athletics, to me, are extremely important at a high school, and being able to open a new high school in Salinas, what a, what a joy that was to be able to found things, whether it was academics or extracurricular. And Salinas was a good place for that. College, and again, I, I, I've been at the college for 15 years, part-time for 10, is different in that students pay money to go to college. I teach graduate students. I never have discipline problems. 
They're extremely motivated. I'm in the counseling ed department. Their research is good. They have to dig a lot deeper. They have to have internal mechanisms for their own motivation. Whereas when you're in a high school, you know, you want kids to have that intrinsic motivation, but part of a high school teacher's job, middle and elementary, is to motivate. That's just part of the job, is to make the classroom engaging and motivate them. Colleges, I think it's still part of the job, but it's not as necessary because the students are there of their own free will. They want to learn. Uh, I'm in a credential program that's based on hours and work, and so they have to put in the time. And the good news for my students is almost all of them get jobs. So, and I'm as a lecturer versus being a tenured teacher, I don't attend all the meetings. I'm not on a tenured track. They can fire me tomorrow. I'm kind of an at-will employee. I think that they enjoy my work, so I don't think I'll be fired tomorrow. But the, the pressure for me versus a tenured track professor is different. I left the world of K-12. I have a pension from the state teacher's retirement system. And I get a salary with San Jose State. So the pressure's a little bit less. And it's, it's the other thing related to it for me. This may not be true for somebody who graduated, got their doctorate, and started to teach. There's this concept called socio-emotional selectivity, which is research of a woman, uh, Karstensen, a few years back. And it talks about my age and how people are able to hand on to the next generation the kind of skills and experiences. And if you're able to do that, your life is fulfilling. And if you're not able to do that, you golf all day, well, your life is still probably pretty good. (laughs) But there's people who are at my age who don't have that opportunity. And I feel truly blessed Mm -hmm. to be able to do that because it's a job, but it's not. It's not. I drive to San Jose and nobody can believe, wow, you got to drive? drive in the afternoon. I don't have traffic. And I love my teaching. The students enjoy my work. And uh, we're near the end of the semester, so I'm in a festive mood. But college has the pressure. I don't want people to think that they don't. But I'm in a unique position. I can see the pressure in my colleagues' faces who are tenure-track folks. They need to publish, but it's a joy. And so people need to be reflective of what what do you enjoy in life? And then if sharing ideas and practices, become a teacher. If you want to teach at college, great. But I'm looking and I'm happy to be here today, partly because of who's in the room, partly because of YFIOP. But if I can convince one person to consider teaching at a K-12 level, I'll be a happy camper. And I want to kind of backtrack and ask you another question that I mentioned earlier, but what is a day or a week of yours like as a teacher? Like, what's your daily routine like? Okay. Now or let me go back. Mm-hmm. Go back let me and go maybe back compare and, it. And I'm a teacher. Let's say I'm teaching at Watsonville High and it's my first year. I was a math teacher and every teacher gets one prep period a day. And at that point at Watsonville High, there were six classes that the students took. So five classes every day I would teach. They were roughly 55 minutes. I had two geometry classes and I think three algebra classes. So I'd get up in the morning. I'd hopefully have everything corrected and a lesson plan in place. I was pretty good at that stuff and would always plan ahead. I'd usually use Sunday evening to scope out the week. So I'd get to the high school. I'd check into the math office and my classroom was right next door. So that was really easy. Made sure everything was in order. I had one class 
with 55 students in it. Um, The administration wanted to pull some kids out. They didn't want to leave. They thought they could take advantage of the new substitute teacher, perhaps, but it worked out very well. A good part of each class is going to be about 20 minutes of direct instruction, and then the rest of the time is I'm working in either small groups or with individual students. The bell rings. They move on to their next class. Uh, I think there was a six-minute passing period, and fortunately, I was right near a bathroom, and would be able to zip out there and get back to my second period class. And it, you know, it generally repeated during my prep period. I would, because it was my first year of teaching, I would find whatever other math teacher was available during that same time to check in with. Mm -hmm. My math was pretty good, but there were some times where I wanted a different way to resolve a problem. And surrounding myself with experienced math teachers, um, Kathy Anderson in particular, the department chair, was just a, a smart thing on my part. And Sometimes when people start in teaching, they do, they maybe are a little too proud, and it's really a hard job. So surrounding yourself with veteran teachers is the smart thing to do. So during my prep period, I'd probably correct some papers, track down some other math teachers. Then I'd teach another class, and there's lunch. And during lunch at Wattsville High, there was a wonderful practice way back when of not staying in the classroom, even though sometimes we needed to. Everybody needs to take care of themselves, and teaching is a very hard position, so self-care is part of the game, and I wasn't always that good at it. But they used to make these homemade lunches in the cafeteria at Watsonville High, and they were good, and so that was kind of a nice thing. Then after lunch, I'd always have a nice cup of coffee because I get a little tired (laughs) and needed to keep my energy going for fifth and sixth period, and generally the routines are the same. But what I'm missing in my description is the contact with kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some kids are flying high and learning math and feeling very rewarded and just doing great and really proud and just a delight. And some kids aren't. They're still a delight. But some kids are struggling. They weren't prepared for the class. Uh, they have issues outside of school. Their parents are getting a divorce. They're, they're not there except physically. And I always took pride in getting to know kids personally, getting to know, you know, they have brothers and sisters, what are their parents' names. Many of the kids would come from Mexico, so I'd love to speak Spanish. And de donde es usted? And they'd tell me, no, de donde eres tú, to be more informal. But I, I'm not focusing really in answer to your question, Melina, as much as I should on kids, because that story goes on forever. And every student, whether they're quiet or very energetic, has a story. For those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What to Be at KSQD 90.7 FM Santa Cruz. I'm Jacob, and I'm joined by my co-host, Melina. We're speaking with Murray Sheckman and learning about their journey to becoming a lecturer at San Jose State University in Counselor Education and a trainer of new administrators in the Santa Cruz County Office of Education. And before the break, you mentioned that you were also a principal at one point, right? And as a principal, did you have to hire teachers? Oh, my goodness. Most of the schools, the hiring was not a lot because teachers are very stable and comfortable in their jobs. But opening a new high school, mm-hmm. I hired everybody. And then what kind of factors go into like a teacher that you'd want to hire versus one that you don't want to hire? Excellent question. I wanted to hire and wasn't always successful. First, the most important part was not their knowledge of the content, was their heart for students, period. Mm -hmm. I learned in my career, you know, you got to have a credential. 
but people can learn to develop pedagogical skills. Mm. People can't learn compassion for kids. I feel it was my to my benefit that I bring a more global perspective to a different school. And I think that's true of teachers too. So I in the hiring, you know, first I wanted to find teachers who had a heart for kids and could articulate it. But I also realized over a point in time that finding teachers who did other things outside of the teaching profession was good. And that wasn't always viewed. Other principals didn't always view that. They wanted people fresh out of college or teaching experience. Well, I hired people who were military veterans. I hired a couple of people who gave up law. And they were great. Not all of them. But they saw the world. So yeah. they knew very much, as teachers generally do, what kids have to go through outside mm -hmm. of that profession. And, you know, it wasn't 100%. But I actually, at Everett Alvarez, uh, learned that people who have other jobs and then realize that they want to commit to teaching, there's a real plus there. And when you first became a teacher, what is something that you wish you would have known? I'm looking advice. at the wall, folks, in case you're wondering. <laughs> uh, um, um, I wish I would have known how hard it was. It didn't chase me away. But after North Monterey County, I realized, oh, my goodness, people don't, maybe not people, but I probably thought, uh, I was a cocky young man, and probably thought it was a little <laughs> bit easier than it was. And, you know, my first words in this interview is, it's really a hard job. Very rewarding. So I wish I would have known that. Mm -hmm. One thing I did do that um, was a smart thing, I told you guys that my college advisor said, well, you might not want to be a teacher because there are no jobs. Well, I, at the age of 20, started to learn Spanish and um, spent every vacation. I'd go to Mexicali, spend the night on, uh, on the lawn in front of the train station and take a train. And I wasn't sure how far south I'd go, and I'd get off. And so for like five years, I really focused on learning Spanish and soaking it up. I studied at the University of Guadalajara in the summer of 77. And five years later, I passed a bilingual certification test. Oh. And um, that has opened up a lot of doors um, because of the population that, with whom we work. And I ended up marrying a very nice Latina woman <laughs> who... She likes speaking Spanish. Not enough. <laughs> the last question that we have for you is, what is a piece of advice or resource that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Okay. Well, one I did already suggest, and that's build your own network. Find the people in the career or in related careers that you want to follow, and, and they will help. They will help. Um, the other thing is... Ask. Pardon me? You have to ask. You have to ask. Mm -hmm. You have to ask. And I know in my graduate level uh, program, I have students who are bashful. And what they've learned to do is ask in pairs. Oh, I, I can give too. you uh, names, but we don't need to do that. <laughs> the other thing is, and it's something that you have to think about and is hard to do. And when, you, when I don't do it, things go bad. But the word is anticipate. Try and anticipate what's next. Not just next in your career. But look down the road and anticipate. That might be more important for a school leader versus a teacher. But if a teacher could anticipate the needs of his or her children in class by knowing families, mm -hmm. not just knowing the kid, I think that would be um, a, a good um, 
a, a good philosophical tenet to follow. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, and this will be my final one, you need to have fulfillment nine out of ten days in your job. You hear me out there? Mm-hmm. You need to enjoy your job nine out of ten days. And I look back at my career and I'm very grateful that I've been able to do that. And there are all sorts of factors that help, you know, family, economy. But if you get up in the morning and you dread going to that job, something's wrong and you need another job. And uh, it may take a while, but there's training available for any kind of job that you want to get. Right? Yep. Awesome. Excellent advice. Thank you. My pleasure. Great advice. All right. Um, And thank you, Murray, for being here today. My pleasure. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you, Melina. And thank you to all of our KSQD listeners for tuning in to today's career story with your hosts, Melina and Jacob, on our show, What to Be, with today's guest, Murray Sheckman, who is a lecturer at San Jose State University in the Counseling Education Department, and he's also a trainer of new administrators for Santa Cruz County Office of Education. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. If you have any questions or would like to share your career story with us, send us an email at whattobe at ksqd.org. If you enjoyed our show, please join us again at 90.7 FM KSQD Santa Cruz at 7 p.m. on Sundays or stream online at ksqd.org. Thanks for listening. Mm